Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. Happy two-year anniversary on recording the podcast. Was it the first? <laughs> I don't know exactly when, as far as like when we did our first actual recording time-wise. But it was October. But huh? it was October, yeah, because our first few episodes, we were talking about our Halloween plans and stuff. So it's been two years since how, this podcast has been going. How funny. It's kind of crazy because life really went by fast. You know what's more serendipitous is you went to San Diego last night. Literally. And, and we that, recorded in San Diego. And that's what brought how that funny. into my head. But... Hey guys, I'm Brian. <laughs> I'm Shane. And you are listening to Fruit Snacks. Roll it up now. It just keeps getting hotter and hotter, it seems like. I don't know what the hell is going on. Yesterday was rough. I had to sleep with my AC on last night. This morning, I was walking around San Diego. Like you said, I went down to visit Chikara because it was his last layover. Yeah. Unfortunately, as you guys know, a lot of airlines are laying off their employees and in furloughing them and 28,000 people, one, are leaving Disney, are getting laid off at Disney, but I think 8,000 flight attendants are getting furloughed at American and he was one of the 8,000. And yeah. so he asked if I if I wanted to come down to spend the time with him with him in his last layover, and I said sure. And it was San Diego, so I drove down and it was so Cute. freaking hot, like walking yeah. around the sun. But San Diego is a post-apocalyptic world right now. Really? Down in the gas lamp district where all the bars and restaurants mm-hmm. are. Like, clearly they're not open because it's a very social gathering kind of atmosphere. Yeah. There were, I think downtown San Diego has a lot of homeless people as is. But, like, literally, as we were walking, I felt unsafe. Jakar felt unsafe. Hmm. They were, like, super vocal. It smelled horrible down there. And then there were all these ambulances because they were, like, People doing drugs from the night before, like oh homeless gosh. people having reactions in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Wow, you guys are classists. Classes? <laughs> what does that mean? Like you think you're a higher class, so you're no, like too good for that. <laughs> not even that. I'm like I'm not. That's like downtown LA a little bit. But I'm not even saying it in the sense of like, oh, gross. I never want to be around it. But it was more no, like, damn, that's unfortunate because yeah. I don't know why it's getting so bad, but it was not a very enjoyable experience. No, when I visited Matt down there, or down there in downtown LA, it was like rough. And then I walked out of his building, I think I told you, and there was like literally blood smeared all over the sidewalk. And there were no. like, <laughs> there were like 25 cops just like lined up in the street and like Dang. all standing around. Yeah. But that's just like us around the house too. Like on the 405, right off the exit where to come here to oh, this yeah. house, there was like a ton of homeless people up there. And one day I was driving by and a guy set his entire homeless camp on fire because mm. he was grilling out on the grass. Yeah wild but i mean like i was saying with furloughs and being laid off disney just announced that they're laying off twenty-eight thousand employees and i just got an email saying that our union is working with disney to see which employees are getting laid off and the union i'm part of is agva which is our performing union and they said 64 percent of agvas are being laid off Mm. i haven't found out if i'm part of that 64 percent, but i am not doubting it Like is, I, I do feel you even like, know who will call you? Will it be Disney or Agva? I have no clue. Uh, As of right now, a lot of our friends that we personally know have yeah. been getting laid off. I was seeing on social media today that a lot of the choreographers have gotten laid off. And a lot of our friends were like, 13 damn. 13 of 24 choreographers. Dang. Yeah. And a lot of them are like, well, there goes 15 years of my life just down the Literally. drain. It made me like cry a little bit yesterday because I was talking to people who... I actually didn't know about and I just like was calling to check in on and found out that they left and I think like selfishly the part of me that got emotional was like 
them being my tie to the company still because looking back it's still my favorite job and so to look back and see that those people are still there it like gives me some sort of selfish comfort but also it made me so upset for them that they like what you just said lost I mean, they didn't lose 15, 20 years of their lives, but that's so much time that they dedicated. And unlike the airlines who are just furloughing, Disney completely separates yeah. these people. You know, and that's not to say that they can never get hired back again. It's just, it's going to be a while and it breaks my heart for all of the people who have lost their jobs now. And it's it's upsetting too, because Disney's that kind of job where you see yourself working there for a long time. Not me, not mm-hmm. you, because clearly we both kind of like are on the back burner or left yeah. the company. But a lot of people and a lot of our friends who still work there, that's kind of their main identity as far as who yeah. they see themselves as a person and how they want to see their lives kind of become flourished and successful. And to just get that all taken away after mm-hmm. feeling like you really worked your way up to a certain position, especially a salary position to just get yeah. the ax in the boot is quite upsetting. I mean, that's just like a testament to life. And this is how I started seeing it because you start resenting the the process because you're like, what the mm-hmm. fuck? I did everything I needed to crossed all my T's dotted all my eyes. And as humans, we have this idea that because we put effort, we should get a payout, which ideally that's the way things should process. But yeah. Think about when you're driving, you know, mm-hmm. and you pass the driving test and you like stop at every red light, you make every correct turn, you go every correct speed limit, but then all of a sudden someone re- runs a red light. Yeah. When you have a green light, you're still in an accident and yeah. you might like have to deal with that. So it's the same thing as life. Like you could play by all the rules, but yeah. you're still kind of like thrown in a toss up. So, well, the question I haven't been able to answer and I haven't gotten an answer on is, In terms of like laying off versus doing something like a furlough, I don't understand why the company couldn't be like, you're indefinitely laid off. You're still an employee, like say 10 years from now, you can look back and be like, I've been an employee 20 years now, you know, if you're 10 years in, but you have to cover your own health insurance if you want to like continue being an active cast member, this and that, because I feel like it shouldn't cost them any money to keep these people, to give these people at least the title of their job that they've worked so hard for, Right. you know? I feel like Disney is a very calculated company. Yeah. And I think that there is for sure a reason why they're laying off rather than staying keeping people furloughed. Well, not to throw gas on fire, but I did hear today that the company's executives all started being reinstated with their full year salary. Because remember at the start of all of this, they took only six months. Or right. they only took, I think, six months of half pay or something like that. So that's all been reinstated. And then there was some report that came out that showed that there were still like billions of dollars in revenue over the past quarter, which is just like, so what? <laughs> like, I believe how? it, but there's billions of dollars of revenue because the people at the bottom level get the ax and that's yeah. literally business. And what's so annoying is that people get so upset about these things, but then we'll still invest in Disney, mm-hmm. whether that's like go to Disneyland or buy Disney movies or yeah. Disney stock or whatever. And I'm not sitting here saying you shouldn't do that so you can't fucking complain. You can do whatever the fuck you want with your money. But I'm saying also, like, if you feel a certain way about it, as Americans, that's exactly what we do as far as capitalism. We're falling trap into that exact storyline where we're just like, what can we buy? What what can we get? Rather than being like, what's important in life? And that's why these people can just kind of rape the bottom. True. (laughs) It's, it's, It's upsetting. But I mean... Again, what what can you do until you actually yeah. do something? <laughs> I was going to say, just before we started recording, I got a news update from CNN mm-hmm. that President Trump just tweeted that he and Melania are going into uh, quarantine because one of his top I saw officials, that. Hope Hicks, 
just tested positive for coronavirus. And you know, even if they did get corona, they wouldn't fucking announce that shit. Could you imagine oh, fuck, the irony <sighs> of Trump passing away because of coronavirus? <sighs> I would... I can't really comment on it because I'm getting too excited thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I would be floored. Floored. Yeah. But I will say, like I said earlier, uh, kind of like segueing away from it, but kind of staying on brand. I did happen to get rid of my social media. I told you I was thinking about it, but then I actually kind of bit the bullet. I disabled my entire Instagram. I'm going to do it until the end of 2020. Okay. But I, I think in hopes to just not have it. It's hard because a lot of conversations happen within Instagram. Like when I'm talking about someone, they're like, oh, how are they? I'm like, oh, let me show you their Instagram. Because yeah. I was like catching up with people. I went to, like I was saying, I was in San Diego with Chikara. Mm-hmm. Then when he went to go fly out, I went and got lunch with Chelsea. So I caught up with oh, her. Right. And then I got dinner with Jamie before I came home. Oh, and catching up with both of them, like Instagram, I was like trying to show them all these things. I'm like, oh, fuck, I can't even show you. Yeah. It's been kind of healthy for me to get off Instagram because I feel like what we're inundated with with is a lot of junk. And I say junk in the sense of like people's opinions. Mm. And you get so emotionally drained and attached to that, that yeah. like when you say, I don't want to get too excited because I have a certain feeling about it. That's what I was feeling with social media where I was like, wow, I'm wasting a lot of time and giving a lot of energy into voices that I don't really I was saying about. I can't get too excited about somebody dying. No, that I know. Makes, okay. I know. That makes feel <laughs> but shitty. it just reminds me of that whole thing about social media. But yeah. you could say it. You a shady bitch for one, one death on the president of the United States. He's but the same. worst president of all time, according to Joe Biden. <laughs> same girl, same, same. <laughs> Before we jump into fruit roll-up, we did want to clarify that Donald Trump did announce that him and Melania do have coronavirus and tested positive. When we recorded this episode, it was just coming out that they could potentially have it, but then it was confirmed that they do have it. So I guess the White House technically isn't as shady as we thought they would be, yet even though they knew one of their people that were on staff with them named Hope had it, the White House is shady because they knew that people were positive, yet they still went on and gone ahead and actually did the announcement in the Rose Garden of the new Justice Amy, which we're going to get into in a little bit here, but then now... Is buying him in the ass because he's in the hospital. So God works in mysterious ways. But could you guys imagine that is how 2020 ends? Oh, girl. That would be like the ending of this horror film right now of 2020. Well, anyways, moving on. Let's jump into the fresh fruit. Hey bitches, it's me again. Just as a heads up during this fresh fruit, for whatever reason, Shane's mic kind of sounds a little bit fuzzy. Bear with us. Sometimes in post-production and editing, we can't hear the audio until it's already recorded. And that was one of these situations. So we are sorry that his mic is a little bit fuzzy through this, but hopefully you can hang with us throughout this week and get something from this conversation. All right, let's jump into the fresh fruit. With politics coming up quite quickly because there's an election in just, what, five weeks, four weeks? We're getting our uh, ballots. We're getting Under all five weeks. We're like 33 papers. days out, I believe. Yes. Yeah. It would be silly of us not to talk about what's on our mind, obviously, because this is our motherfucking podcast. <laughs> but, of course, politics are on our mind because we are at the age where it's important to us as well as just being good American citizens. Mm-hmm. So what do you have for us this week, Shane, for the fresh fruit? Just before this intro, I talked about Joe Biden at the presidential debate. The first of three. The presidential shit show. (laughs) Literally. Um, Did you watch it? Okay, so 
when it was live, I couldn't yeah. watch it because I was coaching. Yeah. But I was like getting updates on my phone. So I was like tuning in because I really did want to watch it. So then the next morning, I put it on for breakfast and I was watching it. 10 minutes in, I had to turn it off because I was so fucking irritated. It's a lot. The debacle, the buffoonery, Mm -hmm. the stupidity that was going on between the leaders or the perceived leaders of what the future is going to hold for America was really unsettling for me, specifically our current president. And I don't even mean that because I'm not a fan of Trump, but like, I'm sure that plays into it. But the way he was like overstepping and interrupting and just Mm -hmm. like deflecting and blaming, it was like too much for me that at 10 minutes, I already like tapped out. And I just went into like multiple news articles to see the key takeaways and kind of like their report on the debate and all the same reports kept coming up about each little segment so i feel like i get a i have a good understanding yeah for the most part i mean not a whole lot was conveyed in terms of information because you couldn't understand anything that was happening but i was texting with robert the entire time Uh because i i didn't know like when i was watching the rnc and the dnc i felt like i was texting with jakar a lot because he was either watching simultaneously or like was about to so like we just had banter but i didn't know if he was watching it and i I literally got to the point where I was like, I'm either going to start drinking if I, or I have to like start talking to uh-huh. somebody. So I started texting Robert and he was obviously giving me like his personal opinion coming from like a news side, like because he's in news and like, wait, he, can you, can you give us some insight into that? Oh, he, I mean, he was just talking about like Chris Wallace as a, as a um, moderator, moderator, which I was actually excited for Chris Wallace to be because he has a huge Fox news following. Right. And I actually like listening to Chris Wallace. I think he's very fair when it comes to arguments. Like, he's very factual, factually based. And so if a Republican is giving him some BS, he's going to be like, well, actually, and he, he'll, like, kind of take steps backwards right. to be like, let me correct you. And even with that, like, a uh, Republican-leaning, Fox News-leaning moderator, there's no excuse mm-hmm. as to saying you're trying to sway right. the direction of the debate. Right. You know, because realistically, in theory a Republican would want a Republican to win. So mm-hmm. I feel like that throws that argument kind of out the window. Yeah. So he, uh, Robert was telling me more so of like, it was funny because right as I typed, I love Chris Wallace. I'm so excited to see him as a moderator. Robert was like, I hate Chris Wallace. He's like, he's be- doing such a poor job as a moderator or whatever he said. And I was like, oh my God, we couldn't be more opposite. But what he meant was not along the same lines of what I was trying to convey. Right. He was just saying like in this instant instance i need him to take over a hundred percent guide this to be like much more stable than it's it's going but in his defense i will say from the small segment i caught like not live but tape but live watching it trump was so aggressive in his approach to like he was talk over people that i feel like even trying to take in the reins as a moderator it's not going to change anything because he doesn't give a fuck who's talking he just wants to be heard yeah in terms of like his ability in that moment i feel like there was only so much he could do like what you said. But what I hope is that moving forward, we have like new protocol in place. Um, <laughs> like the whole time I was like, why are these mics not muted? Which obviously Chris Wallace didn't have control over, but it was the first of three. So I guess we'll learn as we go. Well, I feel like with Trump, okay, I, I feel like at this point, even if you're undecided, it's very clear. I can't speak for the undecided. Let me just say <laughs> that. But I feel like whoever's supporting Trump is going to support Trump no matter how he comes across mm-hmm. at this point. I guess as an undecided voter, right? Yeah. This is your, the debate is for you to understand each side so that you understand and you're more informed as to what you're going to do in the polling process. But yeah, I feel like Trump did not make himself look good 
I honestly no. think he made his party look worse. The only thing that he won during the debate is to not let Biden speak mm-hmm. and like to understand his viewpoints. Because yeah. clearly we know Trump's viewpoints very loud and clear. But again, he's had four years to kind of uh, relay that to us and yeah. communicate that to us through his policies. But with Joe Biden, like a lot of us don't know what he's actually standing for other than what Trump says he stands for. Mm -hmm. But once he gets into what he actually stands for and Trump, when Trump talks over him, yeah, Yeah. speaks over him, you can't understand what policies or what ideology he has. So in that sense, he won that. But I don't think that's a good strategy on winning a debate. Right. Well, and on top of that, and this is another thing Robert and I were talking about. Poor Joe Biden with his stutter. Like it, it sounds like a he's getting thrown off by Trump, but b he doesn't know what he's talking about. Both of which are not true, but yeah. because of his stutter and amidst Trump's chaos, it's so hard to like follow along. What I was trying to say earlier was the Commission of Presidential Debates says that it's going to make changes for the following debates. In what um, sense? They didn't clarify. They, they didn't clarify, but a lot of people are assuming there's going to be some sort of mic situation where, like, you only get your mic turned on when it's your turn to speak. Because I think, I don't know that there was a moment at all, I'm trying to think through, where they gave them the opportunity to speak at the same time. Right. Obviously, they did. Well, Trump did. But I, I can't recall a time when Chris Wallace was like, this goes to both of you. It was either, like, this goes to you, Mr. President, or this goes to you, Mr. Vice President. Like, that was it. So I hope that changes are made, but they said it could be as soon as the vice presidential debate next week, which I'm really excited for. Question. I'm excited for that, too. Because like I said in an earlier podcast episode, that just kind of really shows America as it Mm -hmm. is currently. A white, heterosexual male, cisgender, and against a female, female, Asian, black, minority-taking kind of figure. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. I want to know, because I didn't watch the whole thing. Like I said, I just took the key takeaways. Did Biden ever jump in and interrupt Trump during the debate? No, uh, no. If it was Trump's turn to answer, I think there were a couple times where if he said something about Joe Biden, Joe went to go say something and then like stopped himself. I see. I will say he noted and his team noted that going into this, the one thing they didn't want to want to do was play into Trump. A hundred percent. So, and I can't imagine how unbearable that must have been. Like just like grinning and bearing like through him not shutting up and you just trying to get out your point and not being able to. I mean, Trump had a full temper tantrum, but the big key takeaway that a lot of people have been talking about since is his failure to denounce once again, white supremacy on national television. This time in particular, he noted the proud boys when he said proud boys stand back and stand by this went completely over my head. I had no idea who these people were. It wasn't until I saw on Lizzo's Instagram I was like, wait, what? So then I like swiped and she posted a screenshot of Proud Boys Wikipedia. What they are is a self-described Western chauvinist group that's been around since 2016. They define themselves as a pro-Western fraternal organization for men. That sounds like my worst nightmare. Like, I don't want to be anything. <laughs> that sounds kind of like a gay cult. <laughs> <laughs> Proud Boys, okay? And a fraternity, like, bitch. Yeah. They doing bukkake shit. Ew. Straight up. Literally just like the... I can't. What in the the mayonnaise? (laughs) (laughs) Mayonnaise is their lube. Literally. So they were described by the Anti-Defamation League as a violent, nationalistic, Islamophobic, transphobic, and misogynistic group. They've been linked to several violent incidents, like the Charlottesville rally, and they have been showing up armed to BLM protests Mm -hmm. and rallies. Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently, what I didn't know until today was that within minutes, members of the group were posting in private social media channels calling the president's comments historic. 
In one channel dedicated to the Proud Boys on Telegram, which is a private messaging app, group members called the president's comment a tacit endorsement of their violent tactics. And in another another message, a member commented that the group was already seeing a spike in new recruits. Yeah. So, hey, America. (laughs) Here's the thing with that. Stand Stand back and stand by, right? Yeah. One, I think they ended up taking that on as like a slogan for the future. Yeah. But then two, I don't understand why people would even argue against that he didn't denounce it. Mm -hmm. Because at first it kind of comes, I feel like it came off a little gray where you're like, okay, where is he going? And then once he says that, I don't know in any world or any form of like literature text or interpretation that stand back and stand by means I denounce. Yeah. (laughs) As a former stage manager, stand by means get the fuck ready to go. To go. Because you're next. Literally. So here's what kills me. This is the last point that I have to make about this. When asked what Mr. Trump meant, and this is from a New York Times article, Uh when asked what Mr. Trump meant by stand by, Jason Miller, a senior advisor to to the president's campaign, said it was, quote, very clear he wants them to knock it off. Unquote. Knock it off? Then say knock it off. Literally, that's here's not, the thing that kills that's me. That's not very clear. The, like, when I watch press briefings in the White House with Kaylee McEnany, there's always this air of arrogance. Like, they're educated. They know what they're talking about. Like, they're very clear and direct. And she had a press briefing today or yesterday where she was basically saying, like, he has denounced time and time again, like, X, Y, Z. He's made this very clear. And it's like, if you're as smart as you say you are... You should know better that stand back and stand by does not mean knock it off. Yes. Saying knock it off means knock it off. But clearly that's her job to like oh, for sure. add the smoke. Yeah, but you just look like a fucking dumbass when you're sitting there and you're like, you're you're trying to, to err on the side of like, look at me, I'm so smart, I know what I'm talking about. And then you're defending words that can only make sense one mm-hmm. way. This whole thing is like a gaslighting ass bitch ass motherfucking mess. Because mm-hmm. honestly, us as Americans, I don't know if I'm speaking for myself, but I feel like when I say this, I'm speaking for a lot of Americans. I feel crazy. Oh, yeah. Because I'm like, wait, what world are we living in? And that to me is like gaslighting 101, where you, they just infiltrate your thought and think, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Why are you getting mad? When you're literally provoking the entire US country yeah. to react, and then we react, and you're like, Oh my God, I didn't mean that. Uh-huh. You're just crazy. You're taking it wrong. You're a snowflake. You're this. You're so sensitive. What is this political correctness bullshit or yeah. whatever thing they try to gaslight us on? And it's like, no, I'm not crazy. What mm-hmm. you're saying is real and what I'm feeling is valid. So stop with the bullshit. Yeah, they had me physically reacting in the first like five minutes of that debate. I was like sliding off the couch. I was like, um, like coming out of my skin. I felt so uncomfortable. But luckily I feel with this is that when I really take myself out of the moment of visceral reaction mm-hmm. and think, okay, am, am I crazy? I'm like, no, I'm not crazy. Cause yeah. I'm like, he crazy. Well, that's the thing. Like uh, both of us being communication studies majors, like we had to speak publicly, like through all four years of college and everything that happened in that debate is exactly what you're taught not, not to, to do, do in professional public speaking. At all. And so it's unreal that like the, the two candidates for president of the United States, like, held this mockery of a debate go ahead where you can say something well i was gonna say it was like a junior high debate like beginner debate club where it's like oh full tantrum meltdown full tantrum meltdown and the best leaders are the ones who listen yeah right because you need to listen to the followers to know where to guide the group trump 
is clear. It is very clear that Trump does not listen mm-hmm. because once Biden said three words, it was like he needed to get what he said out because it was more important and more yeah. valid and better than what Biden was saying. And again, I'm not saying what Biden was saying was right, what Trump was saying was right or wrong, but I'm just saying as a pure respect thing, mm-hmm. as far as how I see a leader, he fails for me. Yeah. Granted, I'm going to say this, Trump fails for me in a whole a, a whole slew of other things, sure. but just the bare basic bones of respect, I'm like, you're trash. Mm-hmm. You're such trash. Yeah. But what I love is that he's showing every single one of his cards, and I want yeah. him to keep popping off because even if Biden doesn't get one word in and Trump just pops off, to me, that that is a better look than Biden saying 101 words. Yeah. Honestly. I, I mean, we might not even have to worry. He might have coronavirus now. So. <laughs> um, no, but it was funny listening to commentators uh-huh. post-debate. Literally every single one was like, I forgot what the one from CNN said, but he said something along the lines of like, that was a train wreck within a dumpster fire, within a catastrophe. Like, yeah. he just went on and on. And somebody, I think there was another commentator that was like, that was fucked. Uh-huh. Like, it was just to the point of obscenity where there's no words to describe what you just watched. It's not like, oh, he made good points. He didn't. Like, you know, this is where the conversation, it was like, the conversation didn't go anywhere. anywhere. We didn't get through any piece of information that was useful to voters throughout that entire hour and a half debate. But here's the thing with that is like I don't understand why we're blaming the pre- presidential debate as a flop. Trump made it a flop. Mm-hmm. Like let's put the blame where it is. Honestly, because he yeah. really did capitalize on taking over everything. Yeah. And that that like when people say, "Oh, you know, the moderator should have uh, Biden could have, uh-huh. you know, this should have, what it could have. I'm like, no, Trump should have shut the fuck up. If yeah. anyone should have done anything, Trump should have controlled his fucking mouth and not been a little fucking four-year-old. Yeah. Well, so I finished listening to Hillary's book uh-huh. and she obviously referenced all of the debates that they yeah. went through together. And I was thinking back in watching this debate, I was thinking to listening to her talk about the debate they had where he's just started walking behind her and like lurking behind her. The little her. tactics. Yeah. The way that, like, thinking now, during a moment like that, the way I would have wanted to, like, turn around to punch the shit out of him. Bless her for being able to, like, remain calm. And she talked about, like, what was going through her mind in that moment and how, like, crazy it drove her. But she's like, I can't be XYZ because I'm already being called XYZ. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, to stand within your own patience must be terribly next to impossible but but this is why people come for his dick because that is some little dick energy for trying to get all that power back because he ain't got no influence on people (laughs) and what people actually respect in the people that he hates is that he can't ever possess those qualities so he got that little ass dick energy moving forward with political juice as you guys know like we said last week, RBG passed away. And so now Trump is nominating a new Supreme Court justice, Amy Coney Barrett. And so there's like a lot of political, not political, but a lot of media attention on it. Yes. And here's a few things that are worth mentioning and then we'll get into it. But when Obama was the president and he was leaving his second term, he had the opportunity to nominate a new Mm -hmm. Supreme Court justice. And then everybody in the Senate was like, that's not fair because the president that's leaving shouldn't be the one to pick for the future president. The one who should pick who the justice is of an election year should be the one who wins the presidential Mm -hmm. election, which I agree and I support. But now that's the Senate's Republican and then the president's Republican, 
this timeline can happen way faster. And they're doing this hip- hip- hypocrisy, yeah. already pushing this expeditedly through before uh-huh. the election happens. I think three days before, by the time she would yep. be elected. In. And so this for sure is going to happen. I don't, I don't doubt that it won't. Yeah. I don't like the power where the power lies is where the power needs to lie mm-hmm. for this to happen. So just, it's like when you play cards with Jakara, like Uno, <laughs> and that fucker always wins. Yep. Yeah. It's very that, very yeah. that, very that. But here are some of the things that, uh, just a little backstory, Amy Coney Barrett, if you guys don't know, this is just some of the things that she previously has acknowledged in her law practice, but she's really against abortions. So people think that that might affect future cases that are about abortion. I think they're scared of it overturning Roe v. Wade. Right. Yeah. Um, But then also the Affordable Care Act. Mm Mm-hmm. And 50% of Americans said that they want the winner of the November presidential election to be nominated as Ginsburg's successor, or to nominate Ginsburg's successor rather than it being this quick. Yeah. And just a little backstory as to how she practices law so that we can actually get an understanding of who this woman is. Because it's one thing to say, this is how she acted in certain things, but then this is an overall idea of who she is. But she comes from the originalism or originalist methodology of law, which means in the context of the United States law, originalism is a concept regarding the interpretation of the Constitution that asserts that all statements in the Constitution must be interpreted based on the original understanding of the author's or the people at the time it was ratified. So in essence, what that is saying is that you should go back to the Constitution and think, oh, this is how it was written. This is how it would apply today rather than taking things outside outside of context realistically. That whole theory sounds like a joke. Well, I mean, okay, so... That's yes. like saying, like, read the Bible and interpret it exactly as it would have meant. Back and that then was going to be my example, too, where it was like, you can't get a tattoo. You shouldn't eat pork. And like certain religions do listen to the Bible that strictly. So yeah. that's an example of it. But on top of that, she believes that, like, for instance, a man should not die by a hanging, right? Uh-huh. And so when that was written, hanging was a form of capital punishment for crimes. Mm-hmm. So then now in current America, if capital punishment, we don't hang people anymore, but we do it a different way, we would look at that as the same. So that's what that she's saying is that, yes, it kind of morphs over time, but you're still applying the fundamental ideas mm-hmm. to today's context, right? And so then when President Trump announced his nomination for Barrett, this is what she said when she was in front of the press. A judge must apply the law as written. Judges are not policymakers, and they must be resolute in setting aside any policy views they they might hold. So in essence, what she's saying is that justices and judges shouldn't take their own political ideas and put that forward. What they Mm -hmm. should do is just base their judgments on what the law is and based going forward what that should be, rather than being like, I'm a policymaker, I know this case will change the rest of history, blah, 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 which I don't know how I feel. Just hearing that makes me feel a little bit like, okay, yeah, that should how, that's how should that's how it should be because, mm-hmm. you know, it should be fair. But then going forward, she said, it is important at the moment like this to acknowledge family and friends, but this evening I also want to acknowledge you, my fellow Americans. The president has nominated me to serve on the United States Supreme Court, and that institution belongs to all of us. If confirmed, I would not assume that role for the sake of those in my own circle, and certainly not for my own sake. I would assume this role to serve you. 
I would discharge the judicial oath, which requires me to administer justice without respect to persons, do equal right to the poor and rich, and faithfully and impartially discharge my duties under the United States Constitution. So what she's saying is that she's going to be a very fair judge, whether she leans more conservative or liberal. Yeah. Thoughts? Well, here's the one thing that like I take comfort in. When I was watching The View, Whoopi Goldberg was talking about how typically when a new justice is appointed, everybody's up in arms, regardless, regardless of what side, you're, right. what side you're talking about. And then once they get on the court, A, so few cases that we hear about daily make it up to the Supreme Court. But the ones that do, we typically see, regardless of whether a judge is conservative or liberal leaning, we tend to see a fairness within ones that we were all worked up about to begin with and it turns out like we had no need to be necessarily. It does just suck that within within Trump's presidency, we've now appointed three fucking Supreme Court judges. I don't know where we'll find ourselves in five, ten years from now when there are important cases that the Supreme Court is seeing and she's the one deciding factor that, you know, takes rights away from people as we see it. But it... I mean, like you said, it's one of the situations that I can't dwell on because the power's already on the side that it needs to be on for her to be pushed through. So just like every other thing that Mitch McConnell has blocked in the past four years, including President Obama's uh, nomination. nomination, there's nothing we can do except vote Mitch McConnell out and hope for better in the future. Right. I wouldn't say better, but just different. No better. (laughs) There's two things that I feel towards this. When I say better, I mean more fair. Yeah, I would agree. But I mean, in his mind, he's doing what's fair. So it's hard to say a signifier is like better or good or better or or good (laughs) or fair, because that's your judgment on what that is. And for him, his judgment is what he's doing. He's doing the job successfully. But I will say two things. One... I think I have optimism towards the people in position like these because to me, if I were in their position, getting to the point of a Supreme Court justice and the the, the time it takes, the sacrifices you make with studying law, getting a law degree, working as a lawyer, working your way up as a judge, getting to that high caliber of responsibility – I would hope and I think that people take that job very seriously, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you become a doctor, I would say mostly it's pretty easy to assume that they're going to do their job as effective as possible with their understanding. So that gives me hope Mm -hmm. that it's not going to be crazy. Just like you said, when you look back, the emotions leading up to it isn't as as unfair as what the outcome actually is. And usually when we look back at cases, you're like, okay, that makes sense for why they decided that in that moment. But I will say that those decisions do ripple down as mm-hmm. as far as how history has changed, right? Like yeah. with like segregation and all that stuff. But for the most part, it has progressed in a way that I I believe for the most part has been in a progressive way that makes America fair, right? Yeah. But then two, it is impossible for us and I would assume even her because she is a human for her not to use her personal experience to put out her output on how she views the world. Totally. And I mean that as a woman, I mean that as a race, being white, I mean that as her wealth, I mean that as an American, Mm -hmm. right? Because our American views are different than Russian views that are different than Filipino views. And so all of that combined, it's hard to say 
that she wouldn't have those views, you know, filter her mindset. Mm-hmm. But again, because the job is so prestigious and it takes so long for someone to get to that caliber, I would hope that she can navigate between her own views and decipher between that. But like, obviously, if I've had an abortion, personally, I would have a certain feeling towards it than someone who's never had to go through that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, there's that line of like, yes, I believe with optimism that sh- it's going to be fair, even though it's like a 5-3 leaning, no, 5-4. Yes. 5-4 leaning r- 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 conservative. But it's like, oof. Yeah. Your life, your life experiences cannot not be influential on how you see things mm-hmm. in the world around you. Well, I mean, I think that's what's scary is I don't doubt her her knowledge in in being prepared for the job. Like she's worked from, I believe, Sunny. I don't know if you said she went to Notre Dame, Notre Dame. Um, which is like one of the best law programs in the in the nation. I don't think if not, actually Notre Dame feeds that much into law, actually. Really? Because yeah. she was raving about it on The View. And I, I, I don't, know that's a biased opinion, but I, I, I don't think I, she can claim that. I don't know if it feeds that much into law as much as she worked under one of the previous justices. And his uh, Scali, Scalia, Scalia. He w- she was a mentor or a oh. mentee of Scalia. And oh. so that is a prestigious thing because I think her teaching at Notre Dame, her students raved about her as well as X, Y, and Z. So her track record is good in that sense. But I think what people hesitate is that she does lean more conservatively. Yeah. But you were saying, sorry. Um, no, I just, my fear is, is based more in, I, I tried to find the quote. She she had a quote about the way that religion would play into her, her view of different rulings. That was a, a while ago that she had, had quoted, been quoted that it's not in in relation to her being nominated. Mm-hmm. But I did also read that her religion is, or her denomination is what The Handmaid's Tale was based off of, <laughs> which gives me all the fear in the world because I feel like we're already heading that way. Who reported that? That was like, that uh, That came out instantly after she was nominated. I can find it, but... We but gotta put that in the fruit facts because I'm curious to know. Yeah. But regardless of that, it somebody who's like that deeply rooted in their faith i'm not saying can't separate but when you're already quoted talking about how your faith plays into the way that you make decisions that that makes me err on the side of caution in terms of being like maybe there is some fear in you being elected but you know i don't know enough about her 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 history as a judge to make those opinions Mm -hmm. yeah and like i said and most of the americans that live here we're not judge experts nor we are experts in the court of law so realistically let's just hope that they can actually do their job but then again you know what no fuck that testament because realistically i'm no fucking expert into being a president but i do feel like i could be a better president than the fucking (laughs) idiot that's in the white house now so let me fucking take that back (laughs) but moving forward and this is the last little bit that i have talking about that fucking turd shithead I like normally I don't talk about Trump in such a bad way, but today I'm really on one. Do it. I don't know why, but he's he's, he's just really head. pushing my buttons lately. Okay. Yeah. I mean, turd shithead in the most loving way possible, <laughs> but Trump's taxes just came out, uh-huh. and it was reported that he hasn't paid taxes over like a decade. And the only time he has was in 2016, his election year, in 2017, the first year of his presidency, all he paid was $750 in income taxes, which literally is fucking a joke. I've paid more on my taxes for my unemployment checks than he paid in 
I was gonna say a lot of people have more than seven hundred fifty people seven hundred fifty dollars taken out in federal income tax on one paycheck. Yes. So it's a joke. Yeah. So I looked into this and I was like, why the fuck is that the case? Because I was like, oh, it must be one of those things where his accountant or whoever does his taxes is really good with tax codes and could just rewire everything to be like, oh, you don't owe anything because blah, blah, blah. So now here's the tea. Y'all ready for the tea? He, his businesses did so poorly over the course of all those years that there was nothing to tax because his federal income for the year was below right. what could be taxed, right? Yeah. So it's almost as if I make $50,000, but I had $60,000 over the course of the year of things I had to pay for. Mm-hmm. Now, how are they going to tax me? Mm-hmm. So that's why he didn't have to pay tax. But it's just funny because he's sitting here boasting about how good of a businessman he is yet. He's literally yeah. throwing money out the motherfucking window. And then this is the last thing. But he isn't so far in debt that he owes over $300 million. $300 million. I heard 421. I think it's 420 as well. But I'm just saying 300 million okay. to be safe. Because uh, I think it's one of those things that like it just depends how it calculates mm. down. $420 million is the highest I've heard. And Nancy Pelosi was quoted saying that, um, which I think is valid. But I'm just going to say $300 million over, and he has to pay that within the next four years. Yeah, so definitely. that makes you sit here, and this is what I'm saying, is that as a president for the next four years, the people who you owe money to now own you, mm-hmm. in essence. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're indebted to them in a certain way. So I feel like that's going to really swing how he makes policies and shit mm-hmm. in people's favor. Yeah. Because, like, if someone owed me something, like, hey, if you just mow my grass real quick, we're even. Mm-hmm. Right? So, it's like, do me a favor. I'll do you a favor. Yeah. Girl. I mean, that's how he became president. Girl. <laughs> that's the tea. But I was like, how is Trump so, like, wealthy? Like, I'm like, do people well, actually it's care? Funny. It's funny because he keeps saying, because everyone's like, if you're in the right and you're like, this is all fake news. Like, there's no truth behind this. All you have to do is release one page of your tax. That's uh-huh. it. One page one. of two years of tax returns. And you could settle all of this and prove the world wrong. And he keeps saying, I can't, I can't. I'm under audit. So I have to wait until the FBI is investigation is over. And the FBI, FBI came out and was like, girl, you can let him out. Literally. Like, it's fine. We don't need you to like keep secrecy yes. with it. You know? He's under audit. But it's not true that you cannot release your right. tax returns. You can. The FBI literally has said repeated, repeatedly that he's allowed to release it. So and it's, it's like, crazy to me what? because I feel like he's not embarrassed. And I really thought it was going to be one of those cases that like he worked the system and now people are going to see that he's a liar mm-hmm. and a cheat. But what I think he's more worried about is people are going to see him as a fraud and that he really is like not legitimate. Because if you hear him talk about anything that people question as a lie when he puts out all these statements, he's like – he just – talks in sweeping views or sweeping generalizations of like, no, this is the best person ever. I've Mm -hmm. done the greatest thing. We have the biggest turnout when there's no factual evidence. And even when numbers are brought up, he's like, no, we've had the best. We had the most mass made. It's like, girl, what? And that's what I'm like, oh, you don't want to seem like a fraud. But speaking of responses to his like remarks, that was one thing I think I was talking with Robert about when we were texting. I wish that Biden would have had like, gay sass in him i there were so many like shady remarks that i was using like in my head where i would i would have these like little one-liners and i'm like oh that would have gotten him so good (laughs) but biden like doesn't have gay in him obviously so he's not that talented um i found really quickly the truth and a quick false behind the amy vera cohen uh what's her name (laughs) 
<laughs> Amy Bar- Amy Comey Barrett's yeah. um, religion. So so this is a Handmaid's Tale thing. Yes. Okay. So Amy Coney Barrett is affiliated with People of Praise, a charismatic Christian group. The group's practices reportedly include calling female members advisors handmaids and giving men authority over their families, both themes that are employed in The Handmaid's Tale. So this is what's false about it. Margaret Atwood, author of The Handmaid's Tale, has not explicitly cited People of Praise as an inspiration for the book, though she has more than once cited a similar religious sect that calls female members handmaids. So despite contradictory statements from Atwood suggesting uncertainty on her part, we found no evidence that People of Praise specifically served as the inspiration for the book. Okay. Because that's where I'm like, I feel like that's one of those things where there's a little bit of similarity and someone would be like, oh, it's the same thing. It is the same thing. <laughs> oh, you that girl. <laughs> you that girl that I knew you were. Mm-hmm. You the girl that I was worried that was going to just oversimplify. <laughs> I walked out of my room tomorrow <laughs> in a red robe and like one of the Bitch, the I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm sure you'd wear... I can't breathe Black Lives Matter mask yeah. in the front because you really going down a With a little hole. hole for a straw for my coffee. Though. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Simple things that interfere A day, a week, a month, a year We bring it up for a reason Simply put the sins in season So what do you got for us in this in season um i have talked about before how much i like oat milk in my coffee trader joe's came out with a maple oat milk for coffee well for anything really at first i was really let down because i think in an effort to keep it like as quote-unquote natural as possible it's not like a sweetened maple flavor it's just like a hint of maple in your oat milk like an Um, essence yeah so there's there's like next to no sweetness at all and that's kind of what i was looking for because i make simple syrup to add to my oat milk sometimes but after like drinking it for a few days i started to like it more than adding something that's like super sugary and like rich in sweetness Mm -hmm. like that so i'm really into it i actually ran out because i've been using it so much i have to go buy more so are you putting sugar in it still or no no oh with the maple oat milk no i just add a little bit more oat milk than i normally would if i'm also using sweetener just to get more of that maple f- flavor, I guess. Right. But there's a lot less sugar in that than my straight up simple syrup that right. I had. Yeah, it's funny because I was catching myself drinking black coffee the other morning mm. for breakfast. And when I was young, I used to think black coffee is the most disgusting thing ever. <laughs> and even like I would say a year or two, I was like, I cannot do black coffee. Yeah. But as you get older and you like lessen the milk, once you go back to getting milk and sweet, you're like. Ugh. Mm-hmm. And I can't drink sweet drinks anymore. I don't know what it is, but I guess I'm an old fart now. Mm. That's how I feel when I go back to Starbucks now. Yeah. I, like I used to get like four pumps of white mocha in my in my coffee because I wanted like no coffee flavor. I had that recently and I'm like, oh my God, this is like straight up syrup that I'm drinking. Syrup. Yeah. And I don't like when I go to Starbucks and watch them make the drink because how many, the amount of pumps of sugar they put in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. It just... Makes me want to gag. Anyways, my in-season this week is so random, but I've been... You know how I get into a YouTube fucking rabbit hole, mm-hmm. and then it's just one thing after another? And I don't know what it is, but bedtime and YouTube are like two peas in a pod for me. But this channel called Kurtz Gizakt. 
That's okay. so hard. It's I think it's German. You want to spell Kurt, it? Yeah, I'll spell it. K U R Z G E S A G T. Kurtz. Kurtz. Oh. Gesagt. Kurtz Gesagt. Yeah. Kurtz yeah. Gesagt. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna spell it again so that you get that again. Yeah. But K U R Z G E S A G T. And what this uh, channel is is like a science channel where they explain space and time and neurons and weird shit but they do it as like cartoons so it's like a easier way to digest and they take really big like textual things and scientific fact and evidence and blah blah blah, but they try to make it like user friendly so you learn in an easy way and the first episode or the first video i stumbled upon was the size of the biggest sun in the whole universe that we currently Mm. can see and the amount of energy that that has like they took earth and then compared it to our sun then compared it to like the next sun and the next sun and the next sun, and it just fucking kept going for 10 minutes and it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger yeah to the point where i was like oh i'm so overwhelmed but it may it it gave me that piece that i t- i talked about in my psychic reading where I, when i look up at the stars because i'm feeling anxious it gives me that piece that like there's so many more things out there that what mm-hmm. i'm going through feels so small and it's just a blimp in the timeline spectrum of how chaotic this universe is and i'm not like who am i to say oh my god what i'm going through is tough not to like downplay my tragedy but it helps me right it's my coping mechanism so watching this and just learning about black holes and all this space and time and all this i'm like oh my god and it kind of freaks me out because there's so many things that uh are up there that could like kill earth Mm -hmm. and it just misses us by a couple i mean it's not close by any means it's not like feet yeah. it misses us by feet I mean, things do hit us but it's our atmosphere yeah like but i mean like up. things that come close enough in yeah. the grand scheme of how big the universe mm-hmm. is that could really fuck our shit up <laughs> that makes me be like oh my god life is so precious yeah. so it's weird because it makes me feel like oh life ain't no nothing like life ain't a bitch but then i'm like oh i'm so i'm so i'm so supple and <laughs> like fragile it's weird <laughs> it's so weird but yeah you should watch check it, it out i don't know if i want to because that will stress me out. It's like Gravity with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. See, that stresses me out. I don't understand how it's filmed. Like, I'm sure it's all cords and bungees and this and that, but the way that, I mean, throughout the entire series, they're floating in space. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, and it, it's it's so smoothless and seamless the way that it's done, and that's what piques my interest. I'm like, how did they film this? Like, right. it's so crazy to me, but it, it's, like, this excellent storyline, and I'm getting closer to the end, so I'm getting, like, worked up about it. But... How many episodes really is it? It's only 10. It's 10. That's a lot. They're long episodes. Yeah. Though. They're each like an hour long. But I, I, I've I, only watched like one every night or two. Me and TV don't gel very well. It has to be like the This news. one's like good. Like it's, it's very scientifically based. There's emotion to it, but there's a lot of science involved. Which I, think I think the problem cool. with me and like scripted shows mm-hmm. is that I feel like the way it is scripted does not pan out in real life. Like, I can't get lost in the fantasy of it all. Mm. Like, me and Chikar were watching the scary movie. Mm-hmm. And this old-ass woman was hacking at the back of this guy. And the guy that was getting hacked with the saw just broke his leg, so he was sitting there. I was like, bitch, if I fucking broke my leg and this 80-year-old woman was attacking me, I would fucking go ham on her bitch ass. Yeah. But he was just, like, laying there frail, and the friend was so scared to help. She's like, oh, my God. No, stop. He's the only thing I have. I was like, bitch, jump her. Jump her. Like, little stupid shit like that, but that just is, like, an example of why I can't get into scripted shows because I know that, like, sometimes they have to make it look a little bit ridiculous to push the plot yeah. forward. But, nah. 
I want it to feel real. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, do you watch Real Housewives of Potomac? No. Get into it. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. Better than Beverly Hills. Better than New York. One, because you know how Beverly Hills will take a stupid small ass plot line, yeah, like Dorit's dog thing, yeah. and drag it out an entire series, and yeah. they're like, "Oh my god!" And everyone's talking about no, the last episode. <laughs> See, I'm so excited. I'm getting tongue tied. The last episode I saw. This is gonna make no sense to you, but it's gonna just let just follow along. Monique, Monique and Candace got in a physical altercation, right? They were literally beating on each other where oh producers God. had to step in and the fourth wall was broken. Yeah. That was one. And then uh Ashley and her husband, Michael Darby. I hope uh, I should have said spoiler alert, but if you ain't caught up, whatever. You can still watch it and it'd still be just as impactful. Yeah. But Ashley and Michael Darby, Michael Darby just told Ashley that he's been cheating on her mm-hmm. and that he was talking about having a boyfriend and shit. So she might be married to a gay a man. A boyfriend? Yes. Uh. Two. Three, Giselle is getting back with an ex who had seven kids with multiple women. And she's trying to marry him again. And the dad hates her husband or her ex yeah. because over the years she's had to get over it and throughout the entire season she talks about him being like a pumpkin pumpkin cheater or whatever yeah. and like you have this whole painted picture and all of a sudden now she's like back <laughs> cheater, together cheater, pumpkin eater thank you <laughs> i was like a pumpkin pumpkin what <laughs> now the whole season they're back together and that's a whole nother thing and then the last thing Car- uh, karen and her husband um her husband just told her he doesn't know if he loves her anymore so like four things all in one episode what the fuck where's but- potomac um, DC, Virginia, oh, right, Baltimore right, right, area, right. yeah. But like, none of that sounds exciting. But I'm telling you, it's good trash ass TV. It's so good. But you should you should check it out. Mm. Well, I guess that's it for this episode. <laughs> As always, you guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us this week. If you liked what you heard this episode or any other episode previously, the best gift you can give us is just rate, subscribe, review, like, share, all of the above. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can follow us at Fruit Snacks Pod. And if you want to email us, you can email us at fruitsnextpod at gmail.com and because this is a political episode we want to end by saying you better register to motherfucking vote yeah that you better deadline fucking is approaching vote. if it hasn't already passed you better motherfucking vote if you haven't registered shame on you mm. if you got your ballot fucking vote if you can vote fucking vote because I don't want to hear your bitch ass mouth running if you didn't put, cast a vote and if you cast a vote for some dumb bitch like let's write in Kanye West or my middle finger or my asshole bitch you shouldn't be talking either because you ain't voting for someone who actually yeah. is worthy of voting for and whether that's Trump or Biden for you who gives a shit you can choose what you want but bitch you better vote okay that's all <laughs> goodbye y'all bye <laughs>